Welcome to the Dr. Diamond Podcast, where doctors learn from industry experts proven methods to grow their practices like the top 1%. And now your hosts, president of OfficeAutomated.com, Robert Barton, and the CEO of New Patient Group, founder of the Dr. Diamond Club, national keynote speaker, and featured in Dental Economics, Forbes, and CNBC, Brian Wright. Appreciate all of our loyal listeners tuning in today. We're going to do something different today. Today we are going to play you a webinar uh, that was live the other day on a special guest invite. And it was titled, The Difference Between a Goal and a Result. And what this will do is go in-depth on why a lot of businesses track things that really aren't that important as opposed to tracking things that actually are, that really tell you the reasons why you're making what you're making, why you're producing what you're producing, why you're collecting what you're collecting. And it applies, again, like we always talk about, to any type of business. So obviously this will be healthcare-focused, GP and orthodontic-specific today. But you can take, regardless, because we know we have a lot of loyal followers that own restaurants and a lot of other different types of companies out there. So as I always say, because I want to make a point, is that, look, if you have something you sell inside your doors to a consumer, the exact same principles apply regardless of the type of business you own. Now, obviously, there's got to be customization involved. We all know that. But I think today is really going to paint a picture of, look, we need to track the behind-the-scenes reasons on why our revenue is where it is. And a lot of this stuff intends, again, to just plant those seeds in your mind on, whoa, haven't thought about that before. So you can pick this up and immediately start implementing it into your organization, which is going to allow you to get more out of your employees, allow you to hold your employees accountable, and it's going to allow you to operate. And this is important. Hear me out very clearly here. As a CEO, you cannot operate based on feel. You must operate based on what the statistics are showing you. Okay, got to do that. So what this allows your organization to do is exactly that. It allows you to invest in things, whether it be training, whether it be other types of marketing. It allows you to target the areas that need it the most because you're able to oversee those stats. Hope you enjoy it. So we're going to jump right in today. And today's webinar won't be too long, but it's going to encompass a lot of really high-level information that is going to help your practice. And it's going to help you by making you look at it extremely differently. Healthcare has always been a place where we hear, but we've always done it that way. And it's something for many years, healthcare has done it the exact same way, whether it be from a patient experience standpoint, how you talk on the phones, how you present money, the list goes on and on. And it also applies to how you look at your business and the numbers within it. And one of the things we're going to talk about today and for you to be able to accept this information and be able to go implement it, because at the end of the webinar today, there is going to be assignment that uh, you can take back that no doubt is going to help your practice, is that you're going to have to reverse your thinking. You're going to have to reverse it away from the fact that money is not a goal. Money is a result of what your goals should be. And there's plenty of examples that we're about to jump in, but that's one thing that's been embedded in a healthcare professional's minds is that money is a goal. We've got to hit our production goal. We've got to hit our collection goal. And I'm going to get into that in a minute, but it's extremely important to understand that money is not a goal, and you need to understand that in order for you to maximize maximize your success. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about real quick is the great Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs proves what I was just talking about is true, is the fact that Apple's goal isn't to make money. Our goal is to, design, is to design and develop and bring to market good products. And we trust as a consequence of that, people will like them 
And as another consequence, we're going to make some money. But we're very clear on what our goals should be. And what's very important about that quote is, is that Apple did not go into business thinking that they were going to become a billion-dollar company. Sure, everybody wants to make money. We're going to talk more about that. And that's not today. We're not discussing or trying to get across to you that, no, you shouldn't make money at all or you shouldn't want to make money. Of course, everybody wants to make money. But the point is, is that when you wake up every day and you get to your practice, money should not be a goal. doesn't mean that you can't set a standard of what you want to make, but it shouldn't be your goal. So let's talk about how 99% of the practices out there define their goals. And this is something, again, you probably do it at your practice. You probably see your competition do it at theirs. And it's something that, unfortunately, is not inspiring. It doesn't motivate employees. Having a production goal and saying, hey, guys, we're $30,000 away from hitting our production. We really have to work harder. Or we need 10000 more to hit our goal in collections. We've got to do it. It's uninspiring. It doesn't motivate people. It doesn't get employees to wake up in the morning and rush into your practice, getting them to do whatever it is they t- to do to grow your business and work for you because they believe in what you're trying to accomplish as opposed to just simply a paycheck. So the way we've always done it, let's talk about that for just a little bit. The way the 99% set their goals, and this goes outside of healthcare as well. There's a lot of, the vast majority of commercial organizations do it this exact same way. Their terminology, of course, is different. But this is the 99%, and we hear it from doctors all the time. What are your goals for your practice? Well, I want to increase my production. That's something that almost every single doctor we've ever talked to says, or office manager. Well, I want to increase my collections. You know, or my production goal, well, it's $120,000 this month. You know, I want more new patients. Give me more new patients. How do I get more patient referrals? That's a goal for us. You know, we want X every month and we're only getting Y. How do I get there? You know, I want to increase my hygiene production is another one. You guys have all heard this before. You've heard it hundreds of times, whether it be inside your own practice or just from, you know, talking to doctor friends of yours or office manager friends. I want to start more Invisalign cases. That is how 99% of practices out there, they think. That's how they speak, and that's how they articulate things to their, their own employees. Guys, we're three cases away from hitting elite level with Invisalign. We need three more cases. Everybody in healthcare, the vast majority of everybody, talks this way. What does the 1% do? And this is where you're going to have to really reverse your thinking because it's not easy. One, to think this way, there's a reason why the 1% or the 1%. And I'm not just talking about the highest producing and collecting dental and orthodontic practices and other specialty practices for that matter. I'm talking about businesses, period, regardless of the profession they're in. There's a reason why Apple is Apple. When There's other companies, many other companies, equally as qualified to make products just as good as they do. In many cases, they make products better than they do. So why Apple? Why do some restaurants succeed and why do do some not? And it's the same way with your practice. You have to change your mindset and start thinking the opposite of what's been taught to you in dental school, orthodontic school, what's been taught to you in any class that you've ever gone to that was healthcare related. Because the facts are the top 1% define their goals in a way that gives them a motivated team. A team that wakes up every single day and would do anything, even if the doctor didn't pay them, they would come to work, work hard, and be happy doing it because they believed in the vision and the goals that were trying to be accomplished. 
And again, very few organizations have that. Right now, if you ask yourself, you know what, if I didn't pay my employees for three months, what would happen? And by no means are we telling you to do that, by the way. We don't want that to happen. But it's, it's, it's a good exercise for your brain to, to sit there and go, if I didn't pay my employees for even a month, what would happen? Who would show up and who would work just as hard and say, doctor, that's okay. I'm going to keep working because I know you're going to pay me down the road and I'm just trusting the vision that you have and, I, and I'm willing to show up for it. How many of you can honestly tell yourselves you have a team that would do that? And the beauty of setting your goals like the top 1% gives you a team that is going to wake up every day motivated to make you a ton of money because they believe in what you're trying to accomplish. So the top 1% defines their goals to motivate their team. What is another huge thing that the top 1% does? And again, when I say top 1%, think of the Steve Jobs of the world. Okay, that's who I want you to think. If Steve Jobs ran my practice, if he ran the business operations within my practice, what would he do? One of those things is when defining goals, money would be completely eliminated from the thought process. It wouldn't even be taken into consideration. Well, wait a minute, Brian. I've got, I've got a... I've got to make goal. We've got to make $100,000. Otherwise, I can't pay the bills. We're not trying to say that you can't have a standard of what you need to collect. Our company has to have that. Your business has to have that. Every business on the planet, you have a number in your mind or on paper, hopefully, that says you've got to make X to be able to at least keep the doors open. We're not telling you not to worry about that. But we're also trying to get your mind to think differently in that when you go out and you define your goals, and we're going to get heavily into it today, I want you to completely eliminate the fact that in your mind you know you have to collect $120,000 a month just to keep your doors open. I want you to put that aside, not even have it as a thought. And when you do that, you're taking your first step towards becoming how the top 1% of entrepreneurs and CEOs think. The next one is that they ensure their goals align with their passions. This one is taken out, and really this whole presentation is taken out of what we call the seven steps to achieving prosperity. For those of you that are clients that are on this call today, you know you have that recorded and housed in your platform. But for people who aren't, the seven steps to achieving prosperity is something that's extremely important. And this is taken out of it on purpose because that webinar series talks about your whys in life, and do they align with your passions? And then do they align with your goals? And that's what we're going to talk about here for a minute, is that if your goals are out of line with your passions, you're not going to achieve them, or you're not going to have a fun time trying to achieve them. And I'm going to go through a little bit of an exercise on an example of how this, of how this works. And then we're going to get into specifically defining a very, very specific four-step process that you're going to be able to take back to your practice. And if you are a client, your coach is going to work on with you. So my why in life, okay, is I believe that every person can achieve prosperity, whether you're born with nothing, whether you have nothing now, or whether you're born with millions. Everybody deals with their own problems and they have their own issues in a different way. And each person, your issues are bigger than somebody else's. But no matter what the circumstance, I heavily, firmly believe every person can achieve prosperity. I wake up every day believing that. It's what drives me. It's what drives me with the companies, these companies I explained to you earlier, BizBlitz and New Patient Group. We believe every practice and every person within it can achieve prosperity. Now, what are my passions? They're coaching, educating, innovative, and training. 
Now those passions align perfectly with my why. And this is a little mini part of the seven steps to achieving prosperity, but it's a purpose I'm getting at of what you're about to see with my goals. As an example, one of my goals this year in 2017, and I have accomplished it, is to learn five new things that will help me become a better coach. That was my goal, among others, but one of my goals for 2017 is to learn five new ways to become a better coach. Now, as a result of that, I'm going to be able to help more people. They're going to be able to interpret the information I'm talking about at a higher level, which is going to help them grow. And in turn, a consequence of that, remember the Steve Jobs quote, a consequence of that is I will make more money because of it, because the service is better. Whether that be me in-house coaching somebody, whether that be one of our great VIP coaches and trainers in somebody's practice, we are going to be able to help more people. And as you can see, the why, the passions, the goal, and the result all align with each other. Each one aligns with the next. And therefore, we accomplish the goal, and I believe we also accomplished the result this year because we are better as a company from a coaching standpoint, and I personally am as well. Now, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about some examples of how the top 1% defines their goals and how we do it internally as a company as well. The first one, as an example, is I want to invest in three proven methods to improve team communication. See, that is the thought process you need to have when trying to grow your practice. Look, the facts are external marketing produces by far, not by a little, but by far the lowest return of any marketing investment. Statistics prove time and time again for any organization, healthcare is included. It's the absolute least return on investment. However, it remains, and this proves the 99% theory, it remains the most invested in by far by doctors, even though it proves to produce the lowest return on investment. And the reason why I bring that up is, is that if you change the mindset on how to grow your organization, an organization always grows at a higher level from the inside out, always. If you're a restaurant and you train your waiters how to speak at a higher level about your wine menu, you're going to sell more wine and you're going to sell the more expensive bottles of it. That always is going to be better than getting in a new customer to sit at the table. When you combine them both, that's the best of both worlds. But the reason why that is, is that the top 1% is not thinking about how am I driving in more new patients? How am I going to increase my production? They're constantly thinking about how to improve the team. So the next one is... Investing in three proven methods to improve my team's customer service abilities. Now, obviously, all these are examples. There's a lot more, okay? This isn't just the ones they set. These are just examples so you can see how different these goals are as opposed to some of the other things that we were talking about. And we're going to get in, again, what the difference is between a goal and a result when we start defining this four-step process. Another common one is I want to be able to offer consumers, patients, with the finest staff imaginable. Because as you can see in these first three bullet points, if you accomplish these goals, everything else is going to fall into place. You're going to make more money. You're going to collect more. You're going to produce more. More new patients are going to come because you're going to get more referrals and you're going to destroy your competition. Because I can promise you, 99% of your competition doesn't think this way. If they did, they would be the biggest practice in town, not even close. 
And if they already are, and then they adopted this, they would grow another 30%. The other one, I want to provide a work environment for my staff that far supersedes anything they've ever experienced. That should be a goal that every business owner has, whether it's you, me, anybody. Because if your staff is happy working for you, again, it's not about the paycheck. They become loyal beyond imagination, which means they will work harder, they will learn better, they will implement protocols at a higher level, and therefore you will grow because of it. I want to have my staff, I want them to have the finest presentation skills imaginable. I don't want anybody in my community having any staff member that's able to present treatment to a patient at a higher level. Now, if that's a goal, your result is going to be you're going to increase your treatment acceptance and make more money because of it. The other one is, is just how can I be the best leader and CEO imaginable? And that's really what our company is all about, New Patient Group, is ensuring that the office managers and the doctors become the best leaders and CEO there is. Because when you do that, you're going to beat your competition. That's what our Diamond Club is all about, is ensuring that you maximize both clinical and your commercial expertise. Because until you do, you cannot grow at maximum levels. Does it mean you can't be successful? Of course not. Of course you can. But it also means that you're going to be losing thousands every month throughout your whole career via lost opportunities that you'll probably never know about. So as you can see, the difference between on this screen and the 99%, how different their mindset is on the goals that they're trying to accomplish. Now... A plan for success. Everyone's got to have it. If you don't have a plan for success defined specifically, you will fail. Even if the numbers in your mind are good at your practice, we know if you don't have a specific plan for success that they should be 30% higher in the first year or maybe by the end of the second year. You have to have a specifically defined plan for success to avoid failure. But what does that plan look like and how do you do it? And that's what we're going to start end here to get across to you the difference between a goal and a result. And now we're going to start talking about exactly what that plan is. So take notes on this because you can take this back and you can start implementing it immediately. A four-step plan for success. It starts off with a result. Then you define your goal to help get to that result, a plan of action, and then measure and analyze. And we're going to break these down step by step and walk through these. The first one is, is you have to start backwards. That's a huge problem that a lot of people don't do. They try to start from step one. Well, this really is your step one. It's reversing and working backwards. Define your end result. And obviously what you see in the screen is simply an example. There's hundreds upon hundreds more that we could work on with. So what is defining it from the end result? Well, I want to improve my new patient conversion via the telephones by 15%. Now, I have an example from from 70% to 85%. And when we get into the measurement, the analytics, and how you track this stuff and how it must be tracked, you need to be tracking it to begin with to know if you're even at 70%. That way you have some kind of boundary, some kind of foundation. But if you don't have that foundation, you're going to be operating blind. We're going to get more of that into a minute. But every practice, and it's frustrating to us sometimes because sometimes doctors don't believe it. But even the most successful, and many times it's the ones that are most successful that have the most lost opportunities because the amount of incoming calls they get. But define that you want to improve your new patient conversions over the phone. And then... This will equate to an estimated three additional new patients monthly. Now, do you know that for a fact? No. 
It may equate to 10 new patients a month, or maybe just one, depending on how many incoming calls you're getting that are being dropped, what your presence is online, etc. So you don't know any of these as a for certain number, which is why you have to start somewhere, because over time, as you analyze and measure it, you'll be able to get the defined numbers to where you can more accurately define your end result as you move on with this. The next one is that when I add three additional new patients monthly, this will equate to an estimated increase in production of 5,000 monthly. Now, if you're an orthodontic practice, that could be 15,000 monthly if you're charging you know, $5,000 for Invisalign, as an example. But we're using a conservative number here because maybe they just come in for a cleaning if you're a hygiene practice and maybe you don't close them on anything for a while. But that still could result in a referral that's not talked about in this end result. Obviously, this is just an example. Now, out of that 5,000 addition in production each month, that's going to equate to an estimated increase in production of 60,000 annually. And see, that's how this works, and this is how you skyrocket practice growth, because if you look at every single business or every single aspect that is going on inside your practice every single day, if you look at that as its own separate business entity, this is how you will skyrocket your practice. This is one of the reasons why our clients consistently explode their practice numbers because every operation inside your business, inside your practice, is its own separate entity. And if you define an end result for every single process that you have, the sky's the limit. So from the phones alone, if your goal is to simply improve the conversion if your end result, excuse me, is to improve the conversion, that right there could equate to $60,000 annually just by doing that without spending one dime on marketing or anything, just focusing on that. Now, notice we're starting at the end. We're working backwards because now that, that that's what you want to be the end result, now you have to define your goals to ensure you're able to accomplish and reach your end result. So what your goals are going to be is I want to ensure that my staff is trained better than anybody in the community or the profession for that matter on five-star customer service. Because think about it, we had this conversation a lot. And for those of you who are clients, you've heard this to your blue in the face. You probably know what I'm about to say. Healthcare receptionists are not trained on five-star customer service. They don't come with that. So if they went and they gave their resume to a Ritz-Carlton, they couldn't get hired. However, you trust them to do that same thing every single day. And that's a problem in healthcare. So get them five-star customer trained, service customer trained. The other one is, is that you need to teach them or they need to be taught how to add more value to what you offer over the competition. That's got to be a goal for you to achieve your end result. Another goal for you to achieve what your end result was in that last example, is to ensure they're taught how to be more efficient and remain in control of the conversation at all times. And then that last goal would be how to handle objections when thrown at, when thrown at them on the phone. Because when you accomplish that, you're going to end up converting more new patients that are asking about price, if you're an orthodontic practice involved with the Invisalign concierge, what if it's a second opinion call? Do you take my insurance? All of those happen every single day to every practice, some more than others, but they all deal with it. So if these here are your goals, these, if accomplished, 
are going to help you achieve the end result that we talked about in the first screen. Now, you've got to have a plan of action. So many businesses, so many CEOs that run the businesses that's in and out of healthcare, they talk about a lot of great stuff. We want to do this. I really think we can achieve that. But they miss a very important critical piece, and that's a plan of action. And I know you guys being the doctor, sometimes you wonder, how in the world am I going to have time to do this? The problem is, is you have to work on your business as much as you do the clinical portion. So if that means you have to do it at 8 o'clock at night while watching TV on an iPad, that's what you got to do. Because that's what high-level CEOs do. They go to bed when they're done on the business components of their operation. And until then, they don't go to bed. So this plan of action has to happen. So this is an example of a plan of action. And again, remember, these are all just examples we're giving. So to accomplish my goal, I am going to locate a company by the first of next month that specializes in training staff members in a way that will help accomplish the goal I defined or the goals I've defined. And then I want my team trained on the second and fourth Thursdays of every month for the next year on high-level methods proven to increase customer service, verbiage, and presentation skills. That is now your plan of action because now if the first of the next month comes and you haven't done what that first paragraph, that first sentence says, you know you're behind schedule. If you come and you look and your team isn't being trained on the second and fourth Thursdays or something of the equivalent of, every month of the next year, you're behind schedule. And that's on you as a CEO to ensure your company remains on or ahead of schedule. Extremely, extremely important. So that's your plan of action. And again, this is something I hope you're taking notes on because this is something you can go back and you can implement. You can implement it for hygiene, Invisalign. There's so many things this can be implemented for, but it should be implemented for every one of them. Now, Measure, analyze, something that is not done in very many practices, businesses for that matter. You have to have full visibility of whether or not your staff is improving, whether or not they are headed towards the end result that you define of improving conversion 15%. You have to have full visibility of that. And the way you would do that with that one is ensuring that your front desk is Tracking all new patient calls versus how many they were scheduled on a daily basis. That has to happen, but it has to happen through a multitude of methods. Now, I'm going to show you here, and then we're going to get into some, some, some analyzation. Some of you have heard a lot of it already, but it's good to hear it again. Something like this should be taped by every single telephone in your office. Has to. Calls received, calls scheduled, and where they heard about you. It is inexcusable for any new patient call to not be completed into a form like this. Has to. Otherwise, how do you have visibility on your strengths and weaknesses? You're operating blind. We need more new patients. Let's go spend money on a pay-per-click campaign or a postcard campaign. Meanwhile, the front desk lady just missed seven opportunities the month before, and you don't know it because it's not being tracked. And once it's being tracked, it gives you a a foundation, a metric to know if your end result is being reached. It gives you a metric on your strengths and weaknesses so you know what to focus on. I mean, if you're absolutely great in one area, you're probably not going to invest too much money in growing that area. You're probably going to focus on some more weaknesses that you could grow. 
But until you track everything, and again, this is just an example, because there are so many other examples that we're going to get into now, in that you have to look at the statistics in your business completely differently than how 99% of practices look at them. Because, again, if all you're tracking is the end result, you're losing money. If you're tracking production, yeah, we're doing $120,000. Every practice management system tracks that. And they do it automatically for the most part. Collections, new patients, most of that's tracked for you. And it's great to look at. We're not telling you not to look at it. But the facts are, those aren't the stats that matter. They're not the stats that matter. If it's not tracked, it does not exist. That is something in a commercial world that almost every high-level CEO says to their employees on an ongoing, consistent basis. We hear it all the time. Uh, well, our treatment acceptance is great. And internally, we look at each other because we know it's not. Even in the most successful practices, they think they close everybody. We know they don't. But we also know they're not tracking it. If I said right now to 99% of practices out there, show me on paper where you track your treatment acceptance. Almost every one of them could not do it. The top one percenters can, but most of them cannot. If I said to you, you know, what's your ortho conversion on the amount of patients sitting in your hygiene chair that have misaligned teeth? 99% of them cannot. But see, those stats, there's no way to automate them. Which means, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute, your team has to be involved. Because again, if it's not tracked, it cannot be improved. You can't improve it. You cannot improve something that is not being tracked. So you're operating blind, which is the opposite of how a high-level CEO works. Your team has to be involved, and there has to be an adult inside the practice to hold them accountable for doing it. Meaning that every single day, we're going to go through this. I'm going to give a couple examples now. We're going to repeat it in just a minute. Every single day before your team clocks out, every single department should be in charge of entering stats somewhere, whether that be on a piece of paper, whether that be into our platform that does it for you, whatever it may be. I don't even care. It just has to happen. If you're a GP practice that does Invisalign or another, another form of ortho, your hygienist half to put down how many patients they see daily with misaligned teeth. doesn't matter how bad the misalignment is. If they have any misalignment whatsoever, that has to be tracked. Because if it's not, how in the world do you know your conversion, and then how do you improve it by defining an end result? If you say, I want to improve my ortho conversion out of hygiene by 15% over the course of the next six months, great. That's a fantastic end result. And if you hit that, you're going to make a ton more money doing it. Probably could be some good Invisalign rebates out of that as well. But how do you define a goal to get there if you don't even know what your current conversion is? Which is why you have to, if you're not currently tracking things like that, you almost have to guesstimate it. But once you guesstimate it, you have to track it. Because once you track it, that becomes your foundation for when you reconvene to start the process over. Your team has to be involved. And the reason why I said there has to be an adult in the practice is we get all the time, well, I don't know if I can get my team to enter that stuff. And we look at each other and we say, what? What do you mean you can't get your staff to enter that stuff? You're the boss. You tell them to do it. It's for the betterment of the business. And it also gives you complete oversight on every single operation throughout your entire business. 
So you can go through these four step these four steps and be able to do them correctly based on what statistics are telling you. Because right now in every one of your practices, there's room for five to 15% growth or more for every operation within it. Whether you're going out of business tomorrow or you're making 5 million a year, every single practice, regardless of how good or bad it's doing, has room for growth with every operation within it. And it's why you have to track it. It's imperative. Now, here's some examples you can take back to your practice. Again, clients of ours already, you're already doing this, but this is still important for you guys to hear it again. And it's also for people who aren't our clients on here, this is going to be able to help you internally. You've got to track new patient calls received versus scheduled. You can never let your front desk leave and clock out for the day ever without that stat being tracked. Has to. They also need to tell you where patients are hearing about you. If you're not getting fed that information on a daily basis, you have no business spending any money on marketing at all whatsoever because it's guaranteed you're losing money. Because remember, just because they schedule at your practice from a marketing campaign doesn't mean the marketing campaign paid off. You may get people scheduling from a marketing campaign that you find out six months into it that you can't close any of them or they're only concerned about a low price. Well, guess what? Just because you got a new patient from it, that means that thing is a failure because those patients have to come in and spend money for that marketing campaign to work. So you have to track it. Patients seen in hygiene with misaligned teeth. If you're an ortho practice out there, don't worry about this stat. But if you're a GP practice that is a hygiene department that does ortho, you got to track this. Because if nothing else, it will tell you how many thousands of dollars you are losing every single day. Because 80-90% of every patient in the chair has misalignment. Which means that if you're closing three cases a month, you can do the math on how many loss opportunities. Which means you can define an end result of, I want to get better. I want my hygienists to get better at their presentation skills. Therefore, I can make more money. Now, patient referrals. Patient referrals, you got to track them. Have to. You've got to track, are patients sending you other patients? Are doctors sending you other patients? Got to track them. The other one is financial conversion. How much money do you have now over the course of time? That's a stat you've got to track, and we can go into that at a later time, and many more. But I want to sit here just for one more second and just get it through everybody's head that Production goals, hygiene goals, collection goals, those are results of what your goals should be, okay? We're going to go through an assignment here that I want you guys to take back to your practice and do. And again, whether you're a client of ours or not, this is going to help you as long as you do it. That's with anything in life. If you go and don't do this, not going to help you, all right? The assignment is I want you to define three end results. And remember what the end result was on the telephone example I gave you, which of course was just an example. I want you to define three end results. Choose your own. It doesn't have to be the phones. I believe it should be one of them because every practice loses money on it. But every practice lose money on every aspect of their business. So it can be defined three end results. You get the pick. Now, once you define those three end results, you need to then define your goals on how you're going to get there and accomplish those end results. Now, remember, what most practices would do is go, our goal 
is to hit $120,000 in production. That's how they would start. We don't want you to start that way. We want you to start by picking a part of your business and saying, I want to improve this particular aspect of that specific part of my practice. And I want to prove it 15% over the course of the next year. Your choice, but then your goals have to make sure that that happens. Does it mean you're going to reach it? Of course not. But if it's all defined, maybe it'll show you that you reached half of it, which is still good. Because then when you reconvene, you're able to put in other goals in place to help you maybe double that next time, which is why you have to track it. The next one is implement a plan of action for each of those defined goals. And this becomes the hard part. I think that defining end results and defining goals for some people are extremely difficult, for others are easy, but an implement a plan of action seems to be a pretty difficult one across the board. The reason for this is that it's hard to set boundaries on ourselves. It's hard to say, look, by Monday next week, I'm going to have this, this, and this done. They're going to be knocked out. Because if Monday next week comes and you don't do it, we start making excuses with ourselves. Well, something came up on Thursday. I was going to do it then. Eh, Friday, I was off. I just didn't want to do it. Very common. So define a realistic plan of action. If you want to get something done by next Wednesday, make sure that's realistic. Otherwise, say two Wednesdays from now. Because you want to make sure it's more important meeting the plan of action than saying I'm going to get it done tomorrow and not doing it. So implement a plan of action. And this is something we're here to help you guys with. Now measure the success and failures. This is something that arguably could be first before the end result. Now it's last because until you define all these things, you don't know what you're measuring. But the reason why it could potentially be first is that if you don't intend to measure it and make sure that your staff tracks it and hold them accountable for tracking it, then you shouldn't do the other three steps because you're not going to know if it's going well or not. You've got to make it a point with your staff that there are specific stats that they have to track daily. It's going to become a part of their job description and they will be held accountable, written up, whatever it may be, if they do not do it. And it's because it's for the betterment of the business and themselves because these stats are intended to not only show you but this is why if you define things this way, if you have the right people working for you, this is a great way to motivate them. And remember, we talked about that with the top 1%. Your goal should be to motivate people in order to help you achieve the end result. Most staff members love to be trained on commercial aspects because they're not trained on it. So they're constantly every day being put in situations by consumers that you call patients that they're not trained to overcome. That's a difficult position to be in. So most staff members are motivated by that training. And that's how it's different than, hey guys, all right, we got our team meeting. All right, this month our goal is 120 grand or 180 grand. It's the same old stuff that we want you to change the way that you do it and the way you speak in front of your team. Stop talking about money. Stop talking about the hygiene production with your hygienist. Don't even talk about it. I'm not telling you not to have a baseline of what they need to hit. But guess what? You telling them what they need to hit is not going to help you accomplish hitting it. You talking to them about, we're going to invest in you becoming better at this, whether that be your presentation skills are going to be better than anybody else in the profession. We're going to invest to ensure that you're able to overcome 
what we call the yeah, but scenarios. You need this, but yeah, but I got to talk to my husband. That's a, that, what do you say then? Those are your goals. And it motivates people to come to work every day knowing that they have a business that's investing in them to become better at their career so you can in turn outperform your competition. And the beauty part of it is, is that you get to make a ton more money doing it. See, that's, that's the reverse mindset of if you talk about production, man, I want to be a millionaire. Look, we all, again, we all want to make money. We all want to be millionaires. I don't, very few people are going to go, nah, don't want it. They may not want the work associated with it, but most people want it. But the beauty is, is that by you talking about it, it's not going to get you there. But by not talking about it with your team, they don't need to know what you need to make production or collection wise. That's always been done in healthcare, always. So it scares people to go, wow, I'm not going to talk about my production goals, which is not a goal with my team. Well, the problem is by talking about it, it doesn't get you there. But by talking about improving every aspect of your organization, that does, and it will, as long as you have a specific plan laid out for your employees, too. If you want to define an end result, like on the telephone example, we'll use that. That's something you can sit down and share with your front desk. Hey, look, this is the end result. We want to improve the new patient conversion 15% over the course of the next year. Here are our goals for you as an employee. And this is what we're willing to help you with. And you lay out those goals. See, you're motivating your front desk in a complete different way than if you said, hey, we've got to close more patients on the phone. I heard a mystery call the other day. You're not following procedure. And we've got to get up to $100,000. That, that doesn't motivate anybody. And then when you implement a plan of action for them and you give them structure and say, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to locate a company within the next two weeks to help you with this. And then after that, this is what it's going to look like. And then it's on you. This is the plan of action I have for you. And then it's on you. And you're going to be held accountable for it because we're investing the money to do it. And then this is how we're going to measure your successes. Is that these are the stats we're going to have you track. It is going to become part of your job description for that you track them on a daily basis. And that is how you're going to motivate your team to become better at what they do. Because every one of your team members, the better they become at their job, the more you're going to grow. Far more than what any postcard campaign or radio or pay-per-click ad or anything. Far more than any of those all combined could ever come close to competing with. It may not happen overnight. You know, external marketing can get you five quick patients. This type of operation ensures you're successful for life and you will always win over your competition. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that. Hopefully that planted some seeds in your mind to think about things differently. Again, like a high-level CEO and whether you're our loyal healthcare clients out there or some of our clients and listeners out there that are outside of healthcare, hopefully you're starting to you know, think, wait a minute, maybe I should start tracking and looking at the numbers in my business uh, just a little bit differently and what that could help me do to the competition that doesn't do it that way. So again, appreciate all of our loyal listeners out there. Remember, if this is the first time you've listened, remember to subscribe uh, via iTunes and other methods. Our new website will be coming out soon. There's going to be something called the Learning Center on there that's going to allow you to listen to the podcast directly from the website, as well as watch webinars, a lot of other cool stuff. So again, appreciate your loyalty. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.